Go ahead and stand in honor of God's Word as we read it together. We're going to read three passages of Scripture today. Um, again, since we're not going verse by verse straight through any books, we're going to read out of Acts chapter 4, Jude chapter 1, and Ephesians 6. So as we go through this whole spirit-led life thing, we're going to look at what is a spirit-led marriage? What is spirit-led dating? What is spirit-led singleness? What is spirit-led working? What does it mean that the Spirit of the living God interacts with us? That's what we're looking at. How does that even work? And so today, we're going to look at what is spirit-led prayer? Asking ourselves the question, am I a spirit-led praying individual? And are we a spirit-led praying church? And I think it'll be eye-opening as we go through this text. Acts chapter 4 is a great example of this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. So this passage here, you've got the disciples. Pentecost has just occurred. Spirit of the living God has fallen. Crazy stuff's happening. They then go share the gospel to explain what's going on. The priests, the chief priests say, you can't do that. They say, ah, we're going to anyway. They get put in jail, and then they're released. That's what just happened. So when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests had said to them, being that they can't share the gospel anymore. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, and so this begins a prayer. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the seas and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. This is prophecy long ago of what just happened. Why do the Gentiles rage? Why are they mad? Why do the peoples plot in vain? Why do they tell us we can't share the gospel? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And so now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, and then while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And then this passage and some crazy cool rock music in the background. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How many of you have ever been in a prayer service where the ground started shaking? Like, do we even have a box for that? And especially if you're new to Safe Haven, this word may be strange to you, but Safe Haven regulars, you know what I'm saying? Especially for us Reformed folk theologically, we definitely don't have a box for this. Like, where does it fit? For the ground begin to shake. So what is spirit-led prayer? Have you experienced? Here's the better question. Do we even want to experience it? Like, do we want that type prayer where God has the freedom to not only shake the dadgum ground, 
But how about shake our hearts in such a way that we're rattled by the Spirit of the living God? Or is prayer just, thank you, Lord, for this food and be over my kids. Amen. Or as Larry the Cable Guy, the great theologian, says, after his little stick with jokes, and be with the pygmies in Africa. Like, is prayer more than that for us? What does it even look like in Northport, Alabama at Safe Haven Church? What is that? And here's why I say this, because I know it's a conundrum as we think through this. I say you look, we look at prayer like that in this spirit-led prayer that's just this different something. And then Jude and Ephesians commands us to pursue it. That's the tough part. Jude chapter 1, verse 18 and 20. It'll be on the screen above. And they said to you, in the last days there'll be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's those who cause divisions, worldly people. They're devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So now we've been commanded to do this. And the majority of us are going, I don't even know what that is. Ephesians 6 is another passage that says it, 16 through 18. In all circumstances, this is the great passage over putting on the armor of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. How? Like, we don't even want to say that out loud, do we? Because we're... Now, some of you guys are like... Like, your pendulum swings so far to that that you're like, in the Spirit! And then some of us are like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Anybody else uncomfortable already? This is some tough passages. And I'm just asking the question as a church... Do we individually pursue prayer to be filled with the Spirit? And as a church, do we even carve that out? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your text. Thank you that you, the holy God of the universe, has given us the divinely inspired word to just mess with us to carve out areas of calluses that we've built up against you, to grow us into Christ's likeness, to call us to desire to live for you more. And as we think through the Spirit-led life, and as weeks come and we hit practical stuff like marriage and singleness, and, and what does it look like in parenting to be Spirit-led, and all of these different things that we wouldn't think of today as, okay, well, that's cool and that's fun to come, and so I'll just kind of endure thinking through prayer. Oh, God, that it would mess with us. That we would walk out today desiring and striving to labor more in prayer um, as a church and as individuals. Lord, teach us how to pray is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated. So we read in Acts this stunning example of what can happen when the Spirit shows up in prayer. And then we read in Jude and Ephesians the direct command to pray, Spirit-filled prayers. And we do hit this kind of this conundrum, especially in 2018. So we are achievers, 
And we read this and we go, okay, I, I don't know what that is, but I want to be there. I want to I pray if that's what I'm commanded to do in the Spirit. So how does that, what does it even look like? Fix it. Um, and so I just want to start out with the simplest form of prayer. And let's just start from the beginning and work our way up. And this won't take long, but um, let's look at it. What is this prayer in its simplest form? Let's be reminded of that. So if you're a note taker, there's spots in the handouts that you can jot notes. If you're not, that's cool too. Um, but what is the simplest form of prayer? Prayer is just this. Prayer is just a conversation with the living God of the universe. Nothing more, nothing less in its simplest form. You get to interact with the God of the universe in prayer. It's just casual conversation. So I don't want to take for granted that in a room like this, there's maybe some individuals in here who go, okay, I don't, I don't even know what prayer is. So at Safe Haven, number one, you're in a safe place no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. We have people asking questions like, what is prayer? And then we also have people debating whether the gospel justifies us or sanctifies us and how those two interact together. So we got all kind of different spectrums, okay? Prayer's just, in its simplest form, it's just conversation with God. And here's the beautiful thing. The reality is that God wants us to be a part and lets us be a part of his ongoing activity and interactions with humanity. That somehow in his big sovereignty, he lets us practically interact with him and he uses prayer. That in and of itself is a reason that we should strive to be more praying church as individuals and a corporate body. And, but I do want to expose two pendulums. And this often is why we get all confused in prayer and abandon prayer altogether because typically we'll swing to one pendulum or the other as we think through prayer and what that is. Some of you guys in this room, when you're thinking about prayer, you swing to the personal will of God in prayer. And this is all you think about in prayer. All you think about is how this impacts you personally and, and what that means for you and what you do and what you don't do and, and what that looks like. So your pendulum will swing to that. Meaning this, when you pray, what you think about in prayer is, okay, I'm praying so that God will give me a spirit-whispered assignment that nobody else hears. So as you pray, God, show me what to do that's different than this person. You sh show me what to do that's different than this person. And, and we're just seeking this, this personal, okay, God, I just want to take a step. Tell me whether to turn to the right or to the left. And that's how you pray. It's very personal. And so there's this personal side of the pendulum. But the danger of the personal side of the pendulum is this. You run the risk of being really hokey. Hence a book route right now called Jesus Calling. Some of you guys have read Jesus Calling. Some of you have been through the devotional guide of Jesus Calling. And I'm not, going, I'm not knocking the book Jesus Calling. I do have some theological issues with it. But the Jesus Calling book, as it swings to the pendulum, it basically says this. That you should pray in such a way, every facet of life, that Jesus is constantly giving you assignments. So... You do run the risk of being a little hokey if this is you. Because your prayer life looks like you walking around flipping rocks, every single rock. God, what do I do? God, what do I do? I order a number two on the Happy Meal or do I order number three? Maybe, I'm, am I the only one that orders Happy Meals? Anybody, somebody else order Happy Meals? Okay, uh, good. Um, God, do I do this? Do I wear this clothes? Do I not wear this clothes? Do I take this or do I not do this? And you're living life 
constantly flipping these rocks with this whole personal, it's, it's, prayer is this thing with you, but, but here's the risk that you run. You run the risk of looking hokey because as you flip through those things, you know yourself that you reach a point going, okay, whoa, 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 am I hearing from God? <laughs> am I hearing from Satan? Or am I hearing from my own mind? And you run that risk as you think through this very personal side of, okay, is it this, is it that? And you become borderline psychotic. Mm -hmm. Some of you giggle because you know what I'm talking about. You've pursued prayer in this way to the point that you go, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Am I a weirdo? And you begin to think that way. Because you've swung to this pendulum of God only speaks in these very practical, personal ways. As if he doesn't, can't have this bigger, grand scheme. And so you swing to that, and, and we swing to this personal will. And our anthem is this, if we tend to go that way. And, and I'm, I'm in this camp, guys. I'll swing on that pendulum quick-like. I mean, I will walk out of the door going, and maybe, maybe it's just my OCD, but I'll walk out of the door and get to the threshold of the door, and it can get to the point where you go, okay, should I take a right step out of the door or a left step out of the door? You know what I'm talking about? And it gets that intimate and personal, and you're like, ah. And then you kind of just freeze going, I don't know where to step. And you just kind of lock up. But the anthem we chant is, but the Spirit moves like the wind. And he does. John chapter 3. So we swing there. But the other side of that is some of us swing to the other pendulum of God's sovereign will in prayer. And God's sovereign will and his sovereign nature is we are comfortable with black and white written out. And so we go, okay, the Spirit of God may move like the wind, but I don't understand the wind, so I'm just going to pray in line with the Scriptures. And you become very much like a Quaker and a Puritan who literally, to the point, reads their prayers that have been written out. And you can go get uh, the Puritan prayer book right now to where you just, and it becomes very liturgical. And you're, you're not, you don't run the risk of being hokey. You run the risk of just being heady. I am going to pray for the nations because God commands me to pray for the nations. And so instead of the Spirit of the living God being able to say to you, I want you to pray for the thorns who are in Southeast Asia. We just go, well, the Scripture commands me to pray for the nations, so God, I pray for the nations. And it just becomes very rote, because only God can do the supernatural work. And so we run the risk of being heady, and I swing to that pendulum as well. And so I, and I know a bunch of you because most of you have eaten at my, in my living room at my table and we've had conversations so I get a good idea of where you're at. It's fun to look around the room because like, and I'm not, I just say in this section here, in this section here, I know some individuals who are very theological and then some people who are very spirit led and I'm looking going, I would love them to get them up right now for an arm wrestling match over which one's right. And, and so I, I, I get it. We're all in this together. And so as the pendulum swings, as we think through prayer, it is just conversation, but there are certain complexities to it. And once we ride this, we get so heady that we go, what am I even praying for? 
if God is sovereign, then do my prayers even matter? If he's sovereign, he's going to do what he does anyway. And we just sit down. And then those that swing to this side. God is saying a million things to me, and now I think I'm conflicted because I think he's telling me to turn right, but I also think he's telling me to turn left, and I also think he's telling me to turn straight, and I also think he's telling me to turn backwards, and so I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to sit down. <laughs> you get it, don't you? We ride this pendulum of prayer, and it's so simple, but yet there are complexities to it. If we're not careful, we'll just abandon prayer altogether because we can't figure out how the living of the God of the universe wants us to be involved. And so with that, we're in good company. Paul did the same thing. Paul finds himself on this pendulum of spirit-led prayer versus pray with my mind. And in 1 Corinthians 14, here's what he said. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit. But I will also sing praise with my mind as well. So he finds himself there. So simplest form, prayer is just conversation with God, but it does take on certain complexities because it's multifaceted, which is point number two. In its complex form, prayer is multifaceted with the God of the universe. The reality is God doesn't have to use our prayer, church, but listen to me, if you don't hear anything else I say... He don't have to use our prayer, but he chooses to. And he wants to. So, how are you doing as a prayer? How are we doing as a prayer? Prayer is a dance that we're invited to join in. This room right here. Minus the trees and waterfall. And every time I see the waterfall, I think of TLC, and I want to go, don't go chasing waterfalls. But that's a whole other story for another day. As we look in this room, in February each year, a great thing happens. It's called the Daddy-Daughter Dance. It's one of my favorite things that we do as a church. And just as we love on the community, love on the school, and some of you guys were part of the Daddy-Daughter Dance. Here's the thing about the Daddy-Daughter Dance. We've been doing it for two years here at the school, but we did it when we were, before the churches multiplied and we were one church at the theater. Um, we still did it. We did it Indian Hills and stuff like that. So about five years ago, before Macy Lane, my daughter, who is now like seven foot six or something, um, before she started growing up, we danced. Now, we don't dance well, but we danced. And we had fun. And so little Macy, I, I was reaching down. She's, she's here. She's right here. And I'm dancing with her. It was fun, man, and, and we're growing. We didn't, we didn't know what to talk about because, frankly, we just didn't want to step on each other's toes. So we're dancing. And then the next year, my hands are here. And I'm dancing with her. And we're talking about a few more things. And, and in between our dances, we, we have, hey, you're real pretty, you know. She's like, and I'm like, I feel, I feel weird. Anyway, so, because uh, you don't know what to say. Let's just be honest. Nobody knows what to talk about when you dance, do you? It is an awkward moment. I, if I'm standing with Julie Beth, who we have been together for 24 years, when we're dancing, all of a sudden, I'm like a mute. 
I don't know what to say. <laughs> to this person I've been with for 24 years, you know. Uh, so, and, then, and then the next year she was here. And then the next year she was here. And then, again, this past year, I'm dancing with my daughter like this. <laughs> Gosh almighty, I don't know where your genetics came from. But. So here's the thing. She grew up, we grew up together dancing. And prayer is God's invitation for us to dance with him. Why would we not take advantage of it? Though we don't always understand it, and though it feels this way sometimes and this way sometimes, the beauty of prayer is, is that as we pray and as we labor in prayer, we are growing up with the God of the universe. Why would we not take advantage of praying and dancing with the God of the universe? And he likes us to. So there's multifaceted aspects of this prayer. It is personal. It is sovereign. It's all of these things. Let's look at them on the screen. Here we go. Here's what it looks like in personal prayer. We're invited to pray with him. Complex, not just a conversation. Multifaceted aspects. Number one, through petition. In scripture, we're invited to ask him questions. Tell him our hurts. Tell him our needs. Tell him our desires. Our God wants to hear from us. Even though he's sovereign, he still cares about the details. And so he invites us to pray. 1 John 5, 14. He invites us to meditate. Joshua 1, 8, Philippians 4, 8. To think on God is what we're commanded to. To think, to just meditate. So prayer is not always, God, I need these seven things. Sometimes prayer is, God, just speak. Now, we're all good at petition, but sometimes listening, we struggle with. Can I get an amen? We struggle. We struggle. But we're invited to do that, to think on God, to listen for answers that are very personal, for direction that's very personal. Scripture also tells us to have constant communion in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, to be praying without ceasing. And if right now you go, I pray without ceasing, here's an example. I prayed in the car that wasn't a scheduled time when that other car pulled out in front of me. That is prayer, that's without ceasing. Um, but there's a communion greater than that where you're just in this constant state of prayer with you and God conversing. Prayer is not always a carved out time. It's time to pray. Bow my head, close my eyes. It's not. Sometimes it really is when you're walking out the door. Do we carve that time out to interact with the God of the universe? More complexities. Prayer also is corporate agreement. We just saw that in Acts chapter 4. And this, I keep saying this because I think this fits in this series. If you use the mantra, me and God have our own thing, I want to meet with you and have lunch with you. <laughs> because I don't believe it works that way biblically. God does something unique in the corporate gathering. That's just true. In Acts chapter 4, all of these people could have gone and prayed individually, but they didn't. Just like every other church that's been scattered abroad. The church in China, as dictators come in and say, you can't meet as a church, when that is lifted, the first thing that every scattered church does is what? Gather right back together. Because there's something unique about the corporate gathering. And so we're called in corporate agreement sometimes to pray and just carve out prayer. And here's what I'm doing, man. I'm thinking through this and I'm going, oh my gosh. 
Are we as a church who beat our chest and go, we have preached through 14 books of the Bible, and we go, yes, we're growing in the Lord. Have we in our text-drivenness just completely carved out the space that is fit just to sit down and pray? Are we so text-heavy that we go, God, you don't have room to speak unless it's in the text that we're going through. What's that look like? So, we are gathered together in personal prayer and then repentance. That's another aspect of this personal prayer. Does your prayer life look like, God, I just need you to fix my bank account? God, I just need you to fix my crazy kids. It's a good prayer. God, I just need you to, God, I just need you. Does our prayer look like that? Or does sometimes our prayer look like this according to Scripture? God, I'm just examining my own heart. And as I examine my own heart, you are rising up the yuck in me. How are we doing, church? When's the last time you've prayed and what just vomited out was you repenting of where you don't measure up and, on the flip side, embracing his holiness where he makes you meet the righteous standard through Jesus? So these aspects of prayer are personal. So we swing here. Now let's swing to the sovereign side as well. We do pray sovereign prayers. Sovereign prayers are, in Scripture, pray intercessory prayers. 1 Timothy 2.1, this is where we're commanded to pray pressing in on behalf of other believers. We're led to pray for this person or that person or this thing, and sometimes it's overseas and sometimes it's across the street. It doesn't matter, proximity. The fact is, sometimes the Lord calls us to pray, and so we press in and intercede on behalf of other people. Sovereignly, we're asking God to do what only He can do because we can't do it. We're called to pray sovereign prayers of praise. Hebrews 13, 15, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. How much of our prayer time is just not God I need, God I want, but God you are. But you're great. When's the last time you've spent, gosh almighty guys, come on, let's just be honest. Here's the dumb excuse we use. Well, I just don't have time to pray. Well, that's just stupid. It's the nicest way I can say it. That's just dumb. If you have 30 minutes to go in Wendy's and waft down the double cheeseburger and the Frosty, you got 30 minutes to pray. And so, sorry, side note. And I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. And so as I think through praise, when is the last time you've just spent 30 minutes telling God how great he is? We're called to do that. Sovereign prayers of consecration and dedication, Joshua 3. Moments where you pray setting yourself or something apart for a distinct use. This is what we do with uh, child dedication. This past year, <laughs> I think right now, literally, I think right now, there are nine women who are pregnant and about to pop at Safe Haven. I know, there's babies everywhere. Um, when those babies are born and we consecrate that moment together, guys, at Safe Haven, please never see it as a moment to take pictures and post it on Facebook. I mean, you could do that. 
But as we do that, we are praying, God, take this child, set them apart, and do something unique with them for your glory. When is the last time you've done that with, watch it, your house, your home, your kids, your cubicle? What would it look like for a church who everybody went to their cubicle, and I get it, you know what I'm saying. Right now, some of you are like, I don't have a cubicle, I'm out. You know what I'm saying, whatever your cubicle in life is, to go to our cubicle, whether it's your car or whether it's slinging steel or whatever it is, your, your, your classroom teachers, um, your golf course golf pros, what a tough job that is, uh, your, your, whatever it is, what if we went to it and just spent time pausing going, God, use this space for your glory? Like, what does that look like? Setting apart. And then another part of prayer that's in Scripture is just the supernatural spirit that happens in prayer. One of the most encouraging and horrifying passages of Scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Encouraging because here's what it says. You don't know how to pray. And the Spirit has to intercede for you deeper than words. That is encouraging. But also, the flip side of that is, it tells us we don't know how to pray. Which means sometimes the Spirit is doing things greater than we can carve out. And if you're like me, I always want to have the right answer. <laughs> and so sometimes that's hard for us. Spirit, you're praying, and I'm not, and I don't know how that works. Because at the end of the day, we want to beat our chest and go, I did something. And so in prayer, sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. Sometimes the Spirit has to pray deeper in groanings, deeper than words for us. And so in this, this is a part of sovereign prayer. We don't even know how to pray. 1 Corinthians 14, but the Spirit prays for us. Practical, sovereign. What does that look like in your life? So in light of all of this, I began with... What kind of prayer is the spirit-filled prayer that shakes the ground and shakes hearts? What is it? What is that type of spontaneous prayer? And then as we look through simplicity and complexity, in light of all of that, what is spirit-led prayer? And here's what I think we can glean from the scriptures. It seems that spirit-led prayer has less to do with spontaneity and more to do with just intentionality. We get so fixated on passages like Acts 4 that we go, Lord, I want to see you shake the ground. And what the Lord is saying in that passage is, whether I shake the ground or not, what I want to see is you praying. We get fixated on the spontaneity and the whatever, and God's going, whoa, 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 back the bus up. I just want you to pray, whether I shake the ground or not. So what does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your family's life? What does that look like husbands with your spouse? Spouses, what does that look like with you and your husbands? Parents, what does that look like you over your kids? Singles, what does that look like you and your friends group? I get it. Those are uncomfortable questions. But they're questions that need to be asked if we want to be a spirit-led praying church. And I don't say those things to make you feel bad if you're not doing those things. Because let me, hey, here we go. Safe Haven, this is a great example. I do not stand up here as a pulpiteer telling you I have this figured out. 
I'm in the boat with you. Prayer's hard sometimes. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not necessary. So, man, what if today the Lord is just messing with us going, hey, let's draw a line in the sand and start afresh and anew. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't do it before. Number one, the gospel fits that, meets that need. And number two, it causes us to start afresh and anew. Start a new journey in prayer today. And so as we think through this, God calls us to actively meet with him in all aspects of life, discerning how he is leading us to pray in any given moment. And yes, that can be spontaneously too. So are we praying? I pray today as the band comes back up, my prayer this whole, as I've been thinking through this passage, my prayers is just calls us to the carpet. As we as a church want to grow in Him, man, I want us to be marked by people who pray. I pray that prayer floods our homes. That it's not just a token word we use. It's not just something we do before we eat our meal. But that dancing with the God of the universe in communion, we crave. He don't have to use our prayer. But he chooses to. So why on earth would we miss out on that opportunity? Closing question you've got. Some of you are like, okay, that's fine and dandy. Yeah, prayer is simple. It's also complex. That's great. But Troy, I just want to know what posture I should get in. Do I raise my hands? Do I get on my feet? Do I, do I lay down? Do I put my head down? Do I put my head up? N no peeking. Do you, well, like what? Like how do I, like what do I, how does, okay, so let's blow through those real fast. Here we go. Because really it doesn't matter. In Scripture, we see people praying while they're walking. We see people praying while they're kneeling, while they're laying down on their face, while their heads are up, while their heads are down, while their eyes are closed, while their eyes are open. We see short prayers. We see long prayers. We see written out prayers. We see prayers just right out of the thin air. We see prayers with hands raised. That right there just freaks some of y'all out. Right? Because we're good Reformed folks. Frozen chosen. I shall pray like this. One eye open, one eye closed. Head straight ahead. Hands to the side. Don't matter, man. God's far less concerned with whether you are a this prayer, a cry prayer, a heady prayer. He just wants you to pray. And then the greatest question of all, do I pray with my hat on or my hat off? Yeah, we don't have time for that one. But when we go through 1 Corinthians, we'll hit it. We're not there today. Right? Maybe that's the next book of the Bible. It's not. It's Joshua. Sorry. Okay. All that to say, at Safe Haven, may we never hesitate in prayer, but that prayer will be the sweet aroma that defines us, that saturates us, that floods us. Would you stand? One of the things that I'm excited about as we pursue permanence and Lord willing, 
God takes us towards the facility. And if you didn't see the drawings, the drawings are in the back over there in the corner. You can go look at those as you leave today um, as to kind of what we're pursuing in, in terms of permanence in the community and um, pursuing next steps and all that kind of stuff. One of the things, and we talked about this at staff meeting this week, One of the things that I am, I'm beginning to miss a lot of the stuff that I just grew up with. The older you get, like you hit that phase of life and you want to be this rebel and do everything different and crazy and whatever. And then you get a little older and you're like, golly, I sure wish we had an altar. You know, that kind of stuff. I think sometimes we let our building define how the Lord wants us to meet with him. So we're going to enter into a time of singing and reflecting. And if you feel like you need to kneel at your chair, kneel at your chair. We don't have an altar yet, but we got some marshmallows on a stick over here. Um, maybe you want to make an altar by a kayak. Is it even in your box for as we begin to pray for the Lord to say to you? Does this even fit in your box for the Lord to say to you, go pray by that kayak? Mm -hmm. Some of you right there are like, no, that dude's crazy. I am crazy. That's another part of the story. But what if the Lord asked you to grab your spouse's hand and to sit down and pray over her? Would you do it? What if the Lord told you to go to that person in front of you or behind you and just pray with them? Like, are we so freaked out that that's so kooky that we go, that seems so out of my box that I don't want to dance with you, God of the universe? Because that doesn't fit in what I want. I'm just asking us to ask the question, Lord, teach me how to pray. What am I supposed to pray for? And to pray. So, I'm going to kick us off and we're going to enter into prayer. Maybe it's groanings deeper than words. Maybe it's reciting a hymn. Troy, shut up. Okay. Troy, you're trying to be my Holy Spirit. No, I'm not. Okay, let me pray. Okay, God. As the pastor of Safe Haven for eight years now, nine years, Lord, I repent. God, I repent for not being intentional in prayer and believing that you want to do more through prayer than you do our strategy. So God, move our strategy aside and let it be said that we are a praying church. Teach us how to pray.
So as the band begins to sing, pray. Just pray how the Spirit leads you. Is it with your spouse? Is it for your spouse? Is it for your kids? Is it for your work? Is it for salvation? Is it for another country? Is it a certain posture? Is it how is the Lord leading you to pray? Just do it.